0: This is Bart Peterson, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Greg Gilchrist, and you are listening to the FCPA
1: Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Dan DeMarco, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. The FCPA Compliance Report is the longest running podcast in compliance. Engaging a wide variety of compliance-related guests and topics. Each week, Tom Fox brings you the top commentators and information which will inform your compliance program going forward. Join us again for the top podcast in compliance, hosted by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode today. And today I have with me Quinn... She is a partner at Strook. and we are going to talk about a uh, newsletter or publication that she was a part of for her firm entitled California's Mini CFPB, National Impact and Enforcement Threat. So uh, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today.
1: Thank you, Tom. I'm looking forward to our conversation about this very hot topic for the financial industry now.
0: Uh, And that's exactly uh, one of the things that intrigued me. I I have to say, before I was contacted uh, and researched you for this podcast, I was not aware of this, but as uh, noted in the uh, special bulletin that you and the firm put out, this really has some very interesting applications, not only in California, but I'm going to suggest on a nationwide basis. So with that, perhaps you could give us an overview of what California's governor's proposal to create a mini Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in California is, uh, and what you're seeing from from where you sit.
1: Sure, Tom, happy to do that. So let me give you a little bit of background. At the beginning of this year, California Governor Gavin Newsom officially introduced this plan, and it uh, was done as part of his proposal for his 2020 to 2021 proposed budget for California and it talks about the passage of a new law California Consumer Financial Protection Law that would do a number of things but one of the most important is that it is going to expand the California Department of Business Oversight or DBO into a much more powerful agency, which will be called the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. And those of you who are familiar with the federal model dealing with consumer financial protection, uh, especially following the financial crisis, know about the, uh, fed, at the federal level, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau or CFPB. So this proposal from uh, Governor Newsom really is the creation of a CFPB at the state level in California. And uh, it would be enforcing uh, consumer financial protection laws. And that law is going to be expanded in significant ways, including specifically to give this agency authority to protect consumers against unfair, deceptive, and importantly, abusive. Practices uh, and also expands the jurisdiction of the DBO uh, to cover a lot of additional financial services players as well. So this is a huge development uh, in California. But as you noted, Tom, it's going to have national impact as well because where California goes, many of the other states follow. And it's also going to be acting as a leader among regulators nationwide when they uh, do uh, the multi-state kind of regulatory and enforcement activities.
0: So you um, you said a lot in there. So let me see if I can unpack uh Little of it. And the first one, let me start with the last part, which is the national impact of California regulators. We've seen this in other areas, obviously the CCPA, which uh, came effective January 1. uh, We've, uh, that many states are now uh, modeling their um, state laws under, and that California's drive, uh, I don't know if dominates the right word, but certainly be a leader, is informing many state legislatures across the country, is that a fair assessment or do you see it in a different way?
1: I I think that is a fair assessment. So really, within the last few years, uh, given the change in administration, we have seen the state authorities, particularly in the financial services sector, getting very vocal Uh, and very interested about increasing their activities in this space. Uh, And California has always been a leader, and really the California DBO, the agency that's the subject of this proposal itself has always been very, very active, very much a leader uh, for regulators nationwide in scrutinizing the financial industry in particular. And so we're seeing that happening now already, even before the creation of uh, this expanded agency and expanded uh, authority under Governor Newsom's proposal. They've already been doing that. uh, And At the same time, we see the state authorities over the last few years more and more talking about their interest in increasing their regulatory activities and particularly their enforcement activities. Now, some of the other states uh, might not have the same resources that California does. So um, as in the area of privacy, when you mentioned, Tom, uh, the California Consumer Privacy Act or CCPA, uh, where California comes out with a model and then many other states follow suit and they may adopt pretty much the same framework, or they might tinker with it uh, and and do different things, but they get the inspiration from that California model. And so we're likely to see more of that potential coming in the other states as well. Uh, And you really see this happening also um, from a number of other states that are very active in these efforts. So for example, um, at around the same time that Governor Newsom introduced his proposal for a mini CFPB and this new authority for the agency to pursue unfair, deceptive and abusive and practices, uh, we have Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York on January 8th uh, in his State of the State Address also proposed a major expansion in consumer financial protection regulation and enforcement and also using the CFPB blueprint to expand the authority of the New York Department of Financial Services, which like the California DPO is a major force. Uh, in financial services regulation and is a model and is a leader uh, for other regulators as well. And in Governor Cuomo's proposal, you also see uh, the expansion of authority to pursue unfair, deceptive, and abusive acts and practices. So you see these two states between California and New York uh, creating this model. And, uh, you know, really the other states are going to be very interested in seeing how they can follow in that same way from a legislative proposal standpoint. And then from a regulatory perspective, they don't necessarily have to get state legislation, they, they might follow that same path uh, to the extent possible through regulation and then just through collaboration uh, in their regulatory activities as well.
0: When One of the things that intrigued me was the name of the proposed new department, Financial Protection and Innovation, and particularly the innovation part. Uh, I'm not aware of that being a part of the national CFPB remit, and I wanted to use that question to introduce the the topic or uh, perhaps if you could contrast the similarities with the California uh, proposed law or differences with the federal law.
1: Yes, this is a very important component of the proposal from Governor Newsom is that you know he has these high level descriptions of what this new expanded agency is going to look like and the new legislation talking about the authorities and so forth. And there are very specific pieces of detail that he put out there, which shows the emphasis that he's placing on it and the emphasis that the people behind this initiative are placing on uh, innovation as a key component of what the agency will focus on. So uh, there will be the establishment of a new financial technology innovation office within this agency. And that office is going to focus on um, the fintech industry in particular and and even the online innovation revolution from your traditional players in the financial services market as well. So you mentioned uh, the CFPB and how it operates in this space. And the CFPB also has, you know, in office, the really, and, and it really goes back to earlier years for the CFPB where there was a project catalyst and then now there um, are kind of the follow on developments of that in the effort to create uh, in a really welcoming environment, uh, almost an incubator type of situation or uh, what's often used in the fintech space is a term, you know, a regulatory sandbox where financial innovators can get more latitude to experiment with different models. uh, And they would have some insulation from regulation and enforcement models that currently exist. So, that notion is one that uh, both federal and state authorities and international authorities uh, really have embraced. Is the concept that you're going to have an office or Uh, a task force or some other kind of initiative within an agency that would help to foster innovation by having the conversation with players in that space and really trying to uh, see how the regulatory landscape either could be altered in the long run or um, be more flexible in the short run for those particular players so you know that there are references for example to no action letters in the context of the CFPB where the bureau might pledge not to bring enforcement actions for violations of certain existing regulations for example uh, with regards to a particular ent- entity that is doing some financial innovation here so uh the, the the flip side of that, though, is that for um, many organizations, many companies, there's also the threat that these regulators could be more inclined toward scrutinize the the company's activities more closely and actually impose more regulation or at least more oversight because they're concerned that these entities are not necessarily protecting consumer interests in this process of innovation whether um, you know purposefully or inadvertently but that the consumers could be harmed in the process uh, and you see this actually more with the state regulators, uh, where that they have a very strong concern about this at the same time. And I think that's going to be the case with regards to California, is that, that you have an office that's going to be called the Financial Technology Innovation Office. And as you noted, time, this is going to be part of the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, but having... The word innovation in the name is not necessarily uh, indicative of that being the primary goal. It's it's not necessarily going to be the primary goal of this regulator to promote fintech efforts. Um, So there is the potential for it to be um, pretty aggressive at the same time uh, in terms of ensuring that the activities of fintech entities of innovators would not harm uh, consumers as they go about their business. And in fact, if you look at uh, some of the statements from the governor in connection with this proposal and also the recent activities of the California Attorney General, you can see this inclination to be very vigilant about ensuring that financial innovators do not harm consumers.
0: Quinn, one of the reasons I was so intrigued by not only uh, the bulletin that you and the firm put out, but this entire topic is the following. Many of my listeners are in the anti-corruption compliance space, yet we see uh, state regulators most, I guess the one that comes to mind the most is uh, New York State's Department of Financial Services, Uh, but other state regulatory bodies put out uh, guidance generally in the financial services industry, generally around fintech. That several years later becomes uh, eh, relevant to anti corruption compliance or perhaps other types of compliance. And it just, uh, I guess I wanted to maybe explore with you um, how this agency is going to communicate uh, its regulatory concerns. Uh, will there be? Um, uh, Will it be through enforcement actions? Will it be through sort of policy statements? I guess, what what is your experience with state regulators, uh, particularly the the ones that are sort of on the cutting edge of fintech?
1: Well, I I think that, that you're going to see a combination of avenues for the agency to communicate its interpretation of the law and how it's going to go about uh, ensuring that the industry follows that. And, you know, you have certain um, similarities between federal and state authorities as well. In fact, there are more similarities and differences in terms of how they go about doing this. Um, And particularly in this case, because the proposed state agency here, uh, the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation is modeled very much on the CFPB model at the federal level, you're going to see a lot of the same things. Um, So it's being endowed with a full uh, tool set uh, in terms of how it would mm, pursue its mission uh, for consumer financial protection. And that toolbox is very similar to the CFPB toolbox. And it in many ways will be used in a similar way. Um, so I served as assistant director at the CFPB from inception, um, until the the last few years. And, uh, also coordinated very closely with the states as well, and you know before that I also have served as a associate bureau chief at the Federal Communications Commission, working with online uh, industry and particularly mobile companies as well to look at how you would. Uh, tackle these regulatory issues as technology evolves and you have new financial products and services coming on board here. And the fact that the agency is going to have the same toolbox as the CFPB means that it can communicate in a variety of ways. So education is one, uh, where it's going to be doing education for consumers, for the public, but also education to a certain extent for the industry as well, particularly newer entities like those in the fintech space. And then it uh, also has other tools. And one of the most important here for the California agency is it will have licensing authority. Uh, already, the DBA already has licensing authority over uh, the entities currently in uh, under its jurisdiction, and now it's going to have expanded jurisdiction where it will have licensing authority. You know, and that whole licensing process and the possibility of revoking the license gives the agency a lot of latitude to communicate uh, how it wants institutions to operate. And as part of that licensing authority, it also has authority to conduct supervisory exams. Uh, And in that process, it gets to do a very intimate uh, dive into these organizations' activities, raise a lot of questions, talk to people, get whatever document information it wants, and then... Uh, communicate what it thinks are the potentially inappropriate behavior and and potential corrective actions that should be taken, for example. So we're going to see them using that tool very aggressively uh, going forward. And those of us who are very familiar with the DBO know that uh, they tend to take fairly expansive uh, views of uh, the regulatory and statutory requirements and interpretation of the terms there. And I mentioned earlier that uh, they will have authority to pursue unfair, deceptive, and abusive acts and practices. Um, and that's mirroring the CFPB model, the authority the CFPB has under the Dodd-Frank Act. Uh, and during my time at the CFPB and you know today too, uh, even though the CFPB has just issued guidance on how it intends to use that abusive authority, uh, there's a great deal of uncertainty that remains uh, about that. And just as the CFPB has been fairly expansive and sometimes unpredictable in how it uses that abusive authority, I expect that's going to be the case also uh, with the California uh, DFPI, the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. So those kinds of enforcement activities will also keep the industry on its toes. And then, you know, we discussed earlier the, this Financial Technology Innovation Office, which is really there to have a constant conversation really with the, the industry when they want to engage in innovation. So you have a lot of different avenues for the agency to communicate what it wants in addition to the formal uh, guidance that it, and rules that it might put out.
0: when I wanted to now turn uh, uh, or maybe build on the CFPB a little bit and ask about preemption. i got a lot of lawyer geeks on this uh, podcast or listening to this podcast, so when we can go into the weeds on preemption, everybody has a lot of fun. And I guess the question I wanted to pose to you is, do you see the uh, CFPB uh, attempting to preempt the California uh, agency, and how do the National Bank Act and Dodd Frank interrelate with this preemption?
1: Yes, it's going to be a very interesting interplay. Uh, and of course, when we talk about preemption, we also have to look at the distinction between the national banks. Um, and, and the state chartered banks, for example. And you know, really, uh, it goes back to the National Bank Act, as you mentioned, where the National Bank Act does establish uh, preemption of state regulation at a fairly broad level with regards to activities of the national banks, sort of the baseline when you think about preemption. And then as the uh, federal government adopts other laws, it potentially could specify limits on the state authority as well. But it's not always that clear, and it's certainly not crystal clear in this area. So we're going to see a lot of debate. And uh, I would anticipate some litigation around this going forward as well. Uh, Now, the folks who are behind this proposal from Governor Newsom, and including uh, the founding director of the CFPB, Rich Cordray, with whom I I work. And and by the way, I I should mention that... um, one of the interesting things about this new agency in California is that it's inspired by and will be populated by a lot of uh, CFPB alumni. And I you know, I, I talk with these folks uh, all, all the time and we, we can see how it's going to be unfolding. Uh, and the argument, I think, is uh, going to be that the Dodd-Frank Act still leaves room for state regulation where the state regulation is going to be more protective of consumers. That's the argument that uh, former Director uh, Cordray already has voiced in talking about this proposal, and you will expect to hear that from the agency going forward as well. So it's going to be uh, something that's going to be pretty hotly litigated with regards to both the national banks that could be affected here, and and, you know, basically uh, with regards to any institution that can point to federal statutes and regulations that seem to be occupying this space already. In terms of direct clashes between the CFPB. And the state agency, I don't think that we're really going to see that. Now, historically, of course, the CFPB and the states um, under the Obama administration certainly had collaborated very closely with the CFPB being uh, the leader in many ways and the states feeling confident that the CFPB with its much greater resources were going to address the concerns that the states had. With the change in administration that has changed, but you still see instances of collaboration between the CFPB today and some of the states. So I don't think that there's going to be a head to head clash in the sense that the CFPB will say, um, there's preemption here. Now, you do have the possibility of, uh, the office of the, controller, the OCC, uh, the controller of the currency, the OCC uh, stepping in and saying in some instances that you do have preemption under the National Bank Act, for example. But that would be in specific cases, that usually litigation hmm, that may come up, I suspect.
0: when unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted uh, any more information on this topic, uh, could they go to the firm's website? And if so, how would they do that?
1: Sure. Uh, we would welcome your uh, inquiry for, on this uh, issue further. And our website is com. Strook is spelled S like in Sam, T like in Thomas, R-O-O-C-K.com. And you can look me up. Uh, so my name is uh, Quynh Truong. T like in Thomas, R-U-O-N-G. And uh, we actually have that bulletin that Tom mentioned on the website in, in, linked to my bio, certainly. Uh, so you can take a look at that. And, uh, of course, I'm happy to answer additional questions that folks might have. We're very active in this space, and uh, it's one that is evolving rapidly.
0: when I really wanted to do, uh, thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. Not only is this a topic uh, relevant and incredibly interesting, but I think it's going to be one that's ongoing, and I hope we can continue the conversation.
1: Happy to do that. I know it's going to be one that will dominate the landscape for the financial industry going forward.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. We're going to link to the article, which was referred to in the podcast in the show notes, so check it out for additional information. I hope you will join me again next week where we take up another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I hope you are self-isolating or working from home and staying safe during this health crisis The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.